Well, welcome to the latest podcast with me, Dr. Chris Keel for ASA. Oh boy, this has been a tough one to put together, and almost as soon as I utter the words, everything is going to change. Uh, so don't hold me accountable. What can I say? The last week has been banking crisis week, and there's a whole lot of information out there that is a little less than accurate. So I'm going to try to go through this relatively quickly, but it's probably going to be an ongoing story for the next few weeks and months. So what we know so far is that earlier last week, you had the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, which triggered a whole lot of anxiety and angst among investors and depositors, which pretty soon scooped up other banks like Signature Bank and Republic Bank and put almost the entire global banking sector on edge, Credit Suisse in Switzerland. So what the heck's going on, and is it as dramatic as it has been depicted? It's not that I want to be a media basher, but there's been a lot of information out there that is at best incomplete, if not downright inaccurate. To begin with, <clears throat> we know the origination of the overall problem, and that's legitimate. I mean, as the Fed has been raising interest rates, it obviously has an impact on bond rates, and banks that have been using long-term bonds as a way to kind of shore up their liquidity, found themselves in awkward positions because the bonds that they bought back when they were really cheap were the ones that they were having to sell at a discount in order to handle depositor requirements, etc. Then they would be purchasing more expensive bonds with different yields and different liquidity and much more of a drag on their overall system. So... Silicon Valley Bank had backed up an awful lot of its activity with those long-term banks. But the root of the problem for SVP goes beyond what they do with bonds because they are in a very high-risk environment to begin with. This is a bank that specialized in loaning to high-tech startups, which is a very unstable market to begin with. It's a very high-risk strategy. If it pans out, you make a lot of money. If it doesn't pan out, you don't make a lot of money. You're loaning to a sector that has a 98% failure rate. We know what happens with high-tech startups. I mean, these are companies frequently that don't really intend to function. They just want to sell whatever it is they developed to an Oracle or a Microsoft or an Amazon or somebody, and then they don't have to run the company at all then all of a sudden they're not able to sell <clears throat> to these institutions and they're stuck trying to actually run the company and they fail. So SVP was highly exposed to that group. The crux of the matter is that banks have a weird kind of dual mandate. Uh, mandate number one, which most of us think is their focus, is to protect the money that we deposit with them. And that's kind of what the government expects banks to do. It's supposed to be a safe place for people to put their money. But they don't make money doing that. They make their money loaning. They make their money investing. Banking is inherently high risk. Every decision they make is a risk. And the rewards are highest for the highest risks. If you look at the SVP leadership, they gave themselves huge bonuses last year because their high-risk environment was paying off. Well, now it's not paying off, but they still made a lot of money, 
in the previous years, which they basically distributed to their owners. So SVP gets in serious trouble, has to be bailed out in order to keep it from spreading to other banks because they were not the only ones to have put a lot of emphasis on bonds. Republic was in that situation. Signature was in that situation. SVP has been under basically investigation by the Fed for several years. They have continued to tell them, your strategy is high risk, you should change it. But they don't have the regulatory authority to force that. So all they could do was keep pointing out what a high risk situation it was. Same thing with Credit Suisse. This bank has been in serious trouble for five or six years. Its leaders have been investigated for embezzling. I mean, it's it's not a well-run bank. So a lot of what was happening with the banking sector was predictable in the sense that these were banks that already had problems and already had stress. All it was going to take was a little push from the higher interest rate environment. You can tell that the Fed and the other central banks have not been willing to change their overall strategy. They are still raising rates because they still think inflation is a bigger issue than what's going on with the banks right now. And they're probably right. I mean, the backstopping has been sufficient. There is money to protect the banks that are in trouble, or at least protect their depositors and investors. And the majority of banks are not as vulnerable as those banks were, that they were not pursuing strategies that would get them in serious trouble. Another problem, though, was inaccurate reporting. Um, Last week, I was giving talks to the federal home loan banks. If you're not familiar with the FHLB, I'm not going to go into gory detail, but this is a government bank system that helps other banks provide home loans. So if you're a private small bank someplace and you're wanting to make a loan to somebody for housing and they're not as financially secure as you would like them to be, the FHLB helps back that up and helps make it possible for people to get into homes who otherwise would not be able to. They have a very significantly successful track record, blah, blah, blah. A report came out that said that the FHLB was not honoring liquidity requests from its member banks, which would be a real crisis because that's what these little member banks are depending on the FHLB for. The reality is every single request from every single member bank was honored in full with no hesitation. There was no crisis. There was no FHLB refusal to help. They stepped up, did exactly what they were supposed to do 100% of the time, and it never even really strained their resources. So this report circulates all over the media and fuels panic when there's no reason to fuel it at all. It's like yelling fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire. And that kind of stuff is just irresponsible to the nth degree. It scares people to death, and there was no reason to do that. So I guess my takeaway from all this ranting and raving is to recognize that this is a serious issue for banks, at least short term. They're going to have to go through some pretty stringent investigating of their own just to make sure that their own protection, their own liabilities are understood. But there is plenty of backstop, both from the federal government, even from some of the larger banks, the Wells Fargo's and Bank of America's and Citigroup. They're all throwing their own money 
into this rescue because they don't want to see the depositors stampeding out of these regional banks into their banks because they're not really ready to handle it. So my overall position right now is to remain calm, kind of get through this for the next few weeks. I don't see a lot of impact on ASA members, at least short term. Credit was already tightening, so that's not going to get any worse. The inflation position of the central banks is still intact. They're still going to be raising rates, probably not as aggressively as they might have, but they're still going to be raising, as we've seen. So stay tuned. Hopefully I'm not talking about this next week, um, but we shall see. In the meantime, take a deep breath, calm down, and kind of go about your normal day of business. Thanks.